When Anxiety Bites, the podcast for parents of children with anxiety. Mental health trends and research indicate that mental health concerns, especially around anxiety and stress, have been exasperated by the global pandemic. Meg Greeley is a licensed clinical social worker. She holds a master's degree in social work as well as a master's in child development. You think about it in the frame of children, their social lives were completely changed from school to birthday parties to parents, work schedules. Meg has served as a school social worker and child therapist for over 15 years, addressing anxiety, behavior, ADHD, trauma, stress, social and school problems. For some young children, the return to normal wasn't their normal. It was ours as adults and even older children. But for the new ones, these were sometimes even overwhelming experiences. Now, she's here to answer any questions you might have. Separation is more than just a tantrum or sadness about being apart. It's most importantly a need being expressed, a sign of distress, a lack of security and safety in the relationship. Very common challenges in childhood, though it varies in its intensity and severity. Can therapy help with separation anxiety? Absolutely. It um, Kind of working with a therapist or a counselor can be a great resource. It can be for parents. Um, you know, there are scenarios where I just work with the parents to help them help their child um, or working with the children. So often a great strategies working with both um, so that the parent can be the best home base they can be and the child can feel their most confident and self-assured and kind of bridge that gap if there is one in what that child's needs are or what they're communicating and how to help as a family to resolve any stressors or issues or needs around that separation anxiety or what's going on there. It also can be just resetting and thinking about what is needed to help this child better manage and as caregivers, what can I do to help support them so they can feel more ready and capable and confident in taking on new experiences or common experiences, depending on where that anxiety is coming up. In this time of year, I always think about back to school and how it's such a normal thing to feel nervous or anxious. I think there are teachers who start to feel a little worried and anxious about back to school. There are parents that feel anxious about back to school. So in that way, I talk about normalizing, acknowledging those feelings for kids and that can be a really good first step in helping to cope with separation anxiety. So we want to say yeah it is nerve-wracking to start back to school or I feel a little nervous too. That's a way of normalizing acknowledging those feelings and saying like it's normal to feel that way but what we don't want to do is join with that anxiety or join with those nervous feelings to the point where we're helping and supporting that avoidance and not sending the message that they are capable and can handle it. So it's different to acknowledge those feelings and say like yeah I think of school as having two feelings. I can feel a little excited about something new and nervous because I'm not sure who the teacher is going to be or who, what friends are going to be in my class. I might feel happy to go to school and learn, but I'm sad to say goodbye to my mom and dad every day. Those are normal feelings and we're acknowledging them, saying like, yeah, it's normal to feel that way. But we don't want to allow those feelings to take over and be in charge, essentially. And so thinking about what tools and supports and 
resources we need to feel successful, feel confident. And we really want to be careful as as caregivers that we're not sending the message that they're not going to be okay. We want kids to believe that A, they can handle this, they got this, they can do it. Those positive affirmations and positive self-talk. And we don't want to subtly be sending messages that they're not going to be okay. That grown-up anxiety that can come up, which is really normal. Like it's sad to say goodbye to your kindergartner or your first grader or your baby at daycare. Those are normal feelings for parents too. But how well we take care of them really can help influence and impact that child's success in that experience. So yeah, we really want to be cautious about how we communicate about those experiences and that we show that they are going to be safe, that they're going to be okay, that we believe in them and we know they can handle it. And if there's things they need to feel okay, that we can help support that and problem solve around it. But we're not just going to eliminate or get rid of any stressors or worries because that's just not reasonable in life, right? We have to go to school. We have to go to work. These things are a part of our lives. Figuring out how to how to work through them and, and do it together is a part of what can happen in therapy and a part of what parents can help to provide. The other piece that can be helpful to think about is not necessarily ignoring or avoiding those negative emotions too. So sometimes it might be uncomfortable to see our kids sad or worried or scared. And so we might say something like, no, there's nothing to worry about. This is fine. Don't feel scared. And that can have the same unintentional consequence as overly joining with that anxiety because we're saying that it's not normal to to feel that way and then that can feel confusing because like I wait but I do feel nervous I am a little scared when you're telling me not to be worried so what does that mean does that mean there's something wrong or there's something wrong with me so yeah we just kind of want to set that tone of consistency of support and of acknowledgement and validation of those feelings and also of our confidence in their abilities and their capacity and their capabilities and not tell them that the feelings are wrong or there's no reason to feel that way because there is it's normal so you know when we're talking about separation anxiety often there's this wonder if kids will just grow out of it or they'll stop having those worries or feelings there certainly those resources that we're talking about are those ways caregivers can support kids can help them to move through those challenges so that they're not coming up as often and certainly as kids get older we're going to see those behaviors or feelings. They might look different or they might just get less because of age. But typically I do expect that if the severity or intensity is enough that it's impacting our daily living or our daily experiences, or I can't go out to dinner or participate in social events because of that anxiety, then those are good indications that there's more going on. And I would not expect that those would just go away without addressing it at all. What we want to think about is what's impacting, what the need is, and what our kids are communicating about that separation anxiety. That can be how we can start to resolve or, or support or address it more consistently. So there are a few different possibilities about what's going on. One, it's just like that normal relationship piece where we've gotten into the cycle of anxiety between parent and child or mismatches or miscommunications about what to expect or what's going to happen. So then we can't get out of that cycle. So we just need some help to kind of break that cycle of separation, anxiety, and, and stress that's going on. And then there are other circumstances where it was like a 
specific event and a kiddo who there was a car accident on the way to school one day it was really scary and so then they were refusing to go to school at times wasn't about school it was about that transition to school in the car and feeling fearful that a car accident would happen again so it was more about attending to that than actual separation anxiety the kid wasn't afraid to be separated they went to school previously without a problem it was more about like this kind of scary thing happened so let's attend to that and talk about that or kind of modify the expectations hey yes there was a car accident yes that was scary but we're safe this episode's listener question comes from angie p she writes hi meg my eight-year-old son has serious separation anxiety he's friendly and smart but very clingy here are a few examples babysitter transitions he loves one specific babysitter but throws tantrums if an alternate sitter fills in for a day these episodes can be dramatic and have even led to sending the replacement sitter home and taking a sick day from work to care for my son. Thanks so much for sharing with me about your eight-year-old. Sounds like he's friendly and smart, but having some kind of clingy and stress responses to different scenarios. So let's kind of talk through that and think about what we can do to help. Babysitter transitions. I understand this one and, and get it. Babysitters, caregivers, having different situations come up can be surprising in how we respond. So let's talk a little bit more about what to do in these situations. So it sounds like he does great when it's his one favorite preferred babysitter, but when situations arise when they're not available, there are some tantrums and upsets. He really has a hard time handling that, which I get and can be tricky. How do we navigate that? How do we figure that out together? One thing I'd say we could start with thinking about for him is one, learning a little bit more about what it is about our preferred babysitter that helps it go so well. Maybe she does something special or, you know, there's a certain scenario that comes up or, you know, she always picks a fun movie or she's really kind and thoughtful. What is it about that caregiver or babysitter that really brings out the best in him, brings out his most confident, comfortable self? And maybe we can really try and replicate that when we're looking for other caregivers, other babysitters for him. The other thing I wonder about when you're describing how the times that he gets upset are when something comes up unexpectedly. And I wonder if that may be more about what's going on with the new or different sitters than actually who they are or that they are different sitter. The scenarios or situations or experiences that lead to a different babysitter is actually causing him stress or those kind of big reactions, right? Mom's sick or little brother's sick and mom has to take him to the doctor so we're calling someone quickly to come over in an emergency kind of scenario. So there already feels like a little bit of anxious energy around that situation and then he's like, no, 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 I but I don't know this person. This feels feels kind of overwhelming. Now I'm going to have like a big upset because this all feels like too much for me to take on. Thinking about the situations in which those new or different babysitters come up can maybe be an indicator of why those don't go as well. And a structure where you have a bigger group 
of people involved or available and build up a couple more relationships like he does with the initial babysitter so that when those surprise or unique scenarios come up that he's familiar with more than just one sitter and maybe set up those people for those more preferred or planned events and see if there can be a plan for their availability for stressful situations but also modifying it so it's like hey someone that's newer we're just going to go out for an hour we'll be back we're just running to the store or doing something or even having her come over while mom and dad are there and, and she has to hang out in the basement with you and get comfortable building up his stamina for the different alternative babysitters can be a helpful resource too certainly the more preparation the better he's going to handle that i would think too youth sports if my ex-husband is unable to drive him to soccer and doesn't stay where my son can see him for the duration of the game or practice, my son has a meltdown. It causes stress for the coaches, players, and other parents. His difficulty with going to practice without dad being the one to always drive him. I understand it's ex-husband. I can understand how that circumstance sets itself up, right? Dad is the one who's always taking him to soccer. All of a sudden, there's a change in transitions or timing, and dad can't be the one. But dad's always the one who takes me to soccer. So sometimes we like unintentionally create these structures and systems and then expect that kids are going to be flexible or be able to shift out of them just because we need them to. So creating more structures so that he knows that, hey, yes, dad is going to take you as often as he can, but there are times where mom needs to take you. There's times where grandma needs to take you. And what do we need to do to set that up for success? I also wonder about his experience with soccer. Is that his preferred activity? Does he enjoy it? Maybe there's something about soccer that's not feeling so good that's coming up right now. You know, with divorce too, there are times where maybe that's special time with dad that he just can trust and know consistently that dad always takes me to practice. I get to see him then and I need that. So maybe that's what he's communicating more than I'm worried about dad leaving when he drops me off at soccer or that dad's not available. It's not so much that he's not available. It's that, oh no, I'm I'm losing that special time with dad this week. I often talk about that as emotional detective work that we really want to look into. What are we communicating? What's the need my kid is expressing with this anxiety or these upsets? The other thing, knowing that he's eight years old, I would really contract around the expectations of these experiences or events, like something like camp or sports or art class, whatever it might be. We want them to know that there's some responsibility and accountability with their participation in those situations, right? If he wants to go to soccer, this is what it's going to look like. This is how his role in that and responsibility in that needs to look. And that we kind of hold him accountable and expect that he can get out of the car and say goodbye. And maybe dad can stay for the first 10 minutes. But whatever the contract is, the kind of agreement between you, he needs to start being able to hold up his end of it. There are things we can do to reassure him and support him. But if tantrum upset equals he leaves and kind of ends up dad taking him home spending that time with him essentially the behavior is getting the need met by not staying and if the expectation is that he needs to stay for camp or soccer and he wants to then what are the things he needs to do to do that what are the things mom and dad can do to help him 
to do that. So it's really about communicating and planning and also that accountability piece for him. His regular homeroom teacher was unexpectedly absent one day of school. My son became visibly upset to the point I was called to leave work and pick him up from school. Parents can't always know what's going to happen at school all day. You can't alleviate or eliminate any obstacles or experiences that might be hard or challenging for a kiddo at school. What we can do is help him to know what to do when surprising or unexpected experiences come up. Know that he can handle it. Know that the support is going to be there when he gets home from school that day. He can be like, hey, I know that was really tricky that there was a new teacher today. I'm sorry that that was this situation. I'm really proud of you for handling it and making it through the day. Let's think about what we can do tonight to feel like relaxed and good to take care of those feelings that stressful day. Take the time to heal and feel better from a day that was a little bit harder. And that's really sending that message. Yeah, it's okay that that was tricky. It's okay that it might feel a little bit stressful or worrisome or disappointing that your teacher wasn't there. That doesn't mean you can't handle it, that you're not going to make it through that day. Again, fixing and resolving of coming to school to get him, depending on how bad the separation anxiety or his anxiety is, certainly that may be a scenario that is in place where that's the only solution in that moment. But then we have to figure out how to move through it and move forward because that can't be the ongoing solution. I was late to pick him up from daycare when he was young due to a car breakdown. He was the last one, and the sad look on his face still haunts me to this day. I have feelings of guilt about the lasting effect this incident had on my son. I don't know if it's related, but he refuses to carpool with other students, insisting on riding only in my car or with his father. I think it's great that you're looking a little bit deeper and thinking about what maybe circumstances or situations have come up that increase his anxiety or impacted his ability to cope or tolerate, especially around separation anxiety. It sounds like that one day you were late picking up from daycare because the car broke down and he was feeling really sad. You are feeling pretty guilty about that situation and feel really bad about it. So a first step in that is, you know, I talk about parents that we have to put our mask on when they talk about it on the airplane that the mask dropped down. You have to put your air mask on before you can put on your child. Same kind of situation. You have to attend to those feelings of guilt and feeling bad about not being there in that moment for him and that he was sad and give yourself permission that you were a human being and that it doesn't make you a bad parent or that you don't love your child because you were late. It's just acknowledging that, yeah, things happen and I feel bad that he was sad and I feel bad that I was late, but acknowledging that for yourself and forgiving yourself and moving forward because that guilt that worry might be seeping into some of your interactions unconsciously or you might not be realizing it the other thing too is there can be a really powerful moment here an opportunity for you guys to just connect over that situation and for parent 
to talk about how they were feeling and to apologize. That's what we talk about as mismatch and repair. Parents are humans. It's not about being perfect. It's not about never making a mistake. There's actually so much good that can happen in a mistake and then that acknowledgement and even apologizing for a mistake. That may be enough to kind of start this healing process of saying, I remember that day. I felt so worried and sad. I'm sorry you were sad and that I was late. But I want you to know that as a grown-up, mom, dad, grandma, we have a plan and you're never going to get left. You're never going to get forgotten. There's always someone who's going to come and get you. So you have to trust that. And, and I know that. I know that we never put you in a scenario that you're not safe. So just know you're safe and you're taken care of and that mom and dad will always make sure to come up with a solution and problem solve. And hey, sometimes things like that do happen. Cars break down, lights are late, mom might get stuck in a meeting. Doesn't mean she's not coming. I will always be there. That reassurance can do a lot of good too. I don't know that he actually remembers that situation. He might remember the feeling he had or the feeling maybe getting triggered for him, that fear and anxiety that you're not coming back. It may just be related to something else, but attending to it and talking about it can be healing and supportive. And it may be why he's resisting other situations where he's separated and he can't predict what's going to happen. So when he's refusing to do a carpool with other students, only riding in a car with you or dad, it just may be his way of ensuring that safety or ensuring that there aren't any risks or obstacles, but we really want to try and build back his endurance and his stamina in handling a little bit more and trusting that he's safe even when he's not right with mom or dad. So really attending to and paying attention to the messages we're sending about that. He can trust our neighbor to give him a ride and that mom will come and pick him up and maybe in those first few times start with friends riding with you guys to expand on it or making it a really quick trip so that he can see that like that consistency is there in those situations rather than kind of starting with something bigger or more challenging. So it's about scaffolding and trying to build up ability to get back to what you guys might need as family which is him carpooling with friends and then thinking about like hey, what does he need in order to do this? Maybe he calls when he gets there so he knows that you know he got there. Different strategies like that we can start to kind of dig into what would be supportive, what would help him to feel the most confident in order to start making moves in that direction. And now, Meg's helpful tips and everyday strategies. Feeling scared or feeling anxious, there's no age appropriateness to that. Grown-ups feel anxious, kids feel anxious. It's a normal feeling. Separation, anxiety can come up at a range of ages. What I really like to wonder about is the behaviors and how he's communicating those feelings. And in that way, big tantrums, any sort of like physical behaviors, throwing, kicking, hitting. We want to be thoughtful about that because that's really not the most appropriate or cooperative or safe way to communicate how we're feeling or how to get our needs met. So that's a way of assessing how things are going or the appropriateness or intensity or severity of the scenario. And know that there's a lot we can do to help and support and then attending to both the grown-ups feelings and helping them to create a safe base with which to go explore and attend to his needs and learning a little bit more about what's impacting those feelings and worries that we can see a lot 
of healing and, and progress from that. There's so much we can do. There's a lot families can do to help kids work through separation anxiety anxiety remember acknowledge don't fix we want to validate and acknowledge those feelings but we don't want to fix or help to avoid or join with that anxiety or, or the message that they can't or aren't capable we want to create some structures and supports to help them feel the most comfortable most confident they can be and know that they're okay and they can do this i also like to suggest a first then as a great strategy so I talk about first then is first we're gonna put on our shoes and then we're gonna get in the car or first I need you to get in the car and then I'll have a snack ready for you the idea being that hey these are the things we need to do I'm here to help you but also we're doing it together and I need for you to do your first step and then we can do our second step if he's looking for that reassurance or something like I need for you to give me a hug when we get there for sure of course I'm happy to give you a hug when you get there first I need you to go and get your bag with your soccer gear and then we'll get a ride over there and I'll give you a big hug before I say goodbye or it's about first thenning the entire experience first mom's gonna drop you off then dad'll be back to pick you up so acknowledge don't fix first then these are great resources and tools another one is name it to tame it we're naming that things can be hard or those are big feelings and just naming the situation and naming that it's how the feelings might be coming up can do a lot to help improve our responses or how we're feeling about it. It is really hard the first day of school. It can feel kind of nerve wracking or, you know, sometimes I get upset or feel frustrated when things change. I know we have to figure out how to manage it, but I get it. It can be hard when things change. So those type of messages, just kind of naming it to tame those feelings can be really effective. I hope that thinking about and talking through some of these strategies and the experiences of separation anxiety feel helpful. It has been so nice talking with you and thinking about it. You know, the thing is anxiety does bite. It is hard. It's hard for parents. It's hard for kids. It's hard at school. It's hard at home. But there's a lot we can do to help and heal. I just gotta name it to tame it to know that, hey, anxiety bites, but we have the tools and the resources to feel green and feel better, and move forward. We can't stop the waves, but we can learn to surf. We might not be able to stop those feelings, but we can learn how to help take care of them and help them feel a little bit smaller and a little bit more manageable so we can do all the wonderful things in this life that we wanna do. Mm -hmm.